I got a special announcement. Oh, special announcement. Special announcement. We have some Avatar World news. Oh, yeah. What is it? Okay. I thought I heard something, but I totally forget what it is. We're going to get to the news in just one second. But first, I want to say welcome to the podcast. And we have a theme song, and it goes like this. Welcome back, everybody, to Avatar The First Viewing. This is the podcast where a first-time watcher, an expert of the show, watches the show Avatar The Last Airbender. And we have our Avatar... Ab- I keep saying that. Avatar. Avatar. I keep saying that. <laughs> Avatar. We have our av- Avatar newbie here. Hey, I am your Avatar newbie, Peter. And this other guy, who are you? You are your Avatar expert. I'm the Avatar expert. And we have our fact checker and director, Nikki. Hello. Nikki watched this episode with us. Dude, that sounded like uh, one of those automated robot voices reading the text. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Your security number, social security, has been breached. Or like a TikTok text reader. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. Show your face, then show your face when mad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's about how my brain is functioning these days. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I think we all had a long, long, long day, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's about 10 p.m. Pacific time, and we have some spectacular news to share with you, the Avatar community uh, that has come to this podcast. So mm. this actually happened like two, three weeks ago at this point, and by the time this gets posted, it'll be like months <laughs> ago. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, yeah, this is old Yeah, of news. course. The two creators of Avatar The Last Airbender, Brian Konietzko and Matt mm. something... They Matt. announced that Paramount Plus Ouch. has approached them to create their own production studio to make more original content in the Avatar universe. And that includes feature films and TV shows, animated, maybe live action, all of the above, because it's very popular right now. We have like multiple generations in, uh, consuming this content. And I'm really excited to see what what they come up with because, you know, more Avatar, the better. That's very exciting to hear. And I will say from a Hollywood lens, it's going to be very interesting to see all the different hiccups from like the commercial aspect. Because I'm more optimistic than I am about these shows than I am about uh, the film. Because structurally Mm -hmm. back at that time when before streaming was so huge. They were set up to fail. Like we fact-checked, it was because they were prioritizing like 3D animation success more than like IP, setting up an IP, IP franchise, right? Now, streamers generally understand the importance of retaining really good uh, IP and talent by giving uh, creative freedom. Yes. <clears throat> but Paramount Plus, you know, they're very new to the – they're new, new to this they're game. They're untested. They're new to this game. <clears throat> yeah. It's a rebrand of CBS All Access – and like they're gonna package it with Showtime, but like they're really new to this for, into the foray of like original programming. I think everybody saw Disney Plus. I mean, they literally were like Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, yep. and they see they saw how successful you take a good IP, you create a new show, people are gonna love it. And Disney did it three times in a row now: Mandalorian, WandaVision, and now Falcon the Winter Soldier. I haven't seen. I saw Mandalorian. I haven't seen the other two. Uh, but, I mean, I think they, they got it. 
they got the formula down. They transitioned very well. They transitioned very well, I think. People were very skeptical before the Marvel ones came out and were thinking maybe Man- You had a rough year. Yeah, yeah, After yeah. the Mandalorian aired, I was like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but that's, the, that's what happens with content businesses where on a micro level, you see it with YouTube channels. Like you don't really care until you have a hundred videos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you need to stack up a library of original ass mm-hmm. content. Exactly. Exactly. You have to be able to scroll down and be like, oh, there's a lot of stuff yeah, yeah, to go yeah. through in the coming weeks Yeah, because psychologically, people pay for optionality more than they pay for actual value and consumption. Like, because yeah. if you think about people watch three shows on Netflix ever, like <laughs> yeah. they just like hoarding. They, you know, that's what Netflix yeah. is. You just like you're a TV show hoarder. <laughs> You're yeah. not going to watch they, 80% yeah, they, of that. They see all these good movies that they're never going to watch and be like, oh, I would love to have at some point watch these movies. Yeah. And like I'll put them on my list. That sets off the serotonin already in their yeah. mind of like, wow, such great things, such great value. <laughs> I'm paying my money and it's already coming to fruition. Yeah. And then like by the time they, that time arrives, those movies yeah, are gone. And then, you wa- <laughs> you, and then you just watch the same as sitcom over again. Like, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I digress, but I think that's ultimately I think that's great news. Hopefully Paramount Plus knows that like they have less leverage right now. So hopefully that means the creators were given much more creative control and money. I really hope so cuz I mean Netflix already tried and failed. Yep. And that's why I was so disappointed yep. of like I don't even know what Netflix is doing with this anymore because now that they have to compete with Paramount and they don't have the original creators working on it? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I would be upset yeah. if I was, like, the Netflix executives working on this because you've got to be thinking, like, from a business perspective. They're going to, they're gonna like, either pull the cord completely, cut your losses, or they're going to, like, yeah. do bare minimum to just get it out the door. If you're Reed Hastings, like, you would rather be spending big dollars building another universe because it's all about yeah. universes right mm-hmm. now. You know, mm-hmm. and without the creators, and with the creators going elsewhere, come on. Come yeah, on. I know it's it's, you, yeah, you can't bet too much money on that long term. I think we're getting pretty pretty away from the subject. Yeah, I yeah, want to talk yeah, about yeah, the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We introduced a vital member of the gang in this episode, Toph Bay Fong. This is her not her first appearance. Yeah. because she was viewed briefly in the swamp as a vision, but her first swamp. physical appearance uh, is in this episode. What are your thoughts overall? Wow. Wow. I did not expect her character to be like that. What a breath of fresh air. What a – this episode brought us back, I think, to season one's like childlike playfulness and wonder mm-hmm. while like progressing the story forward. You know, I, I think their timing is so good because they spent three episodes kind of not dilly-dallying but like, you know, you can't find the Earthmaster right away but like you can't – yeah, you can't drag true. it on too long. It was like the right timing to like fully – and they did it over one episode, which I appreciate. Like there, she's fully a part of the gang and like cute little tied in a bow little storyline in the episode. Mm. And now we know. It's like, okay, cool. We got the instructor. I can do the uh, newbie recap if, if that's helpful. Let's do the newbie recap. Yeah. Let's, let's jump in. Yep, yep. All right. Newbie recap and gang. Stumbles upon a earthbending martial arts tournament, and they figure, hey, maybe there's a good instructor here. They go check it out, and this dude called the Boulder, 
the boulder. <laughs> Speaks to about himself in the third. Yeah, episode. yeah, yeah. Clearly, uh, a shout out to the Rock. Fun fact about this episode: yeah, yeah. they auditioned the Rock. No way to be. To, yes, they did because this is a different stage of his career. Of course, about of it. course. Early two thousands, the dude wasn't in Fast and Furious. He didn't have any of these huge things. He was just this guy that was in Journey to the Center of the Earth too. Scorpion King. Scorpion yeah, King. Yeah, this yeah. is a couple years after that. Yeah. Like it maybe it was the same time. So he easily could have fit this role. Yeah. But they didn't go with him. But I think that this it's obviously a nod to him because like he was a wrestler. He's the boulder instead of the rock. Yeah. And I mean just the speaking yeah, he, mannerisms, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, but go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy named the Boulder is wrecking everybody, but it turns out the reigning champ is not the Boulder, but this tiny little girl. Named the Blind Bandit. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. Toph. And Aang challenges her, but more just to, like, strap a convo. And ends up kind of accidentally beating her because he's an airbender. She gets mad and storms off. They do some detective work to realize that in his vision, he saw her flying a flying boar kite or something. And that is the family crest or the family mark of the richest people in town, the Beifong family. They go to the Beifong residence, run into... What's her name? Toph. Toph. Oh, I'm dragging along now. <laughs> the the tor- and they get ambushed. Yeah, yeah. The tournament organizers think that uh, Toph and Ang like set them up because Ang beating her uh, meant that Ang got like the prize money, and no one's mm. ever beat Toph before because she's OP as hell. Oh, also like Toph is really good at fighting and earthbending, but we'll get into that. They get ambushed, taken away, but they get out through shenanigans, and then there's this like. Big fight scene between Toph and all the wrestlers. The Beifong father wants to lock her down even further. So Toph decides to leave with, escape and leave with the Avatar gang. Oh man, that was, <laughs> started, <laughs> I, dude, what, I, what, I, I started real strong and then it just <laughs> deflated, like, the energy deflated like a balloon. <laughs> I could hear you being like, let me just get this out <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Let me get all the details. And then the last detail is that the uh, Beifong, Mr. Beifong. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, goes to the earthbending teacher and the dude who runs the earthbending show and is like, the avatar stole my daughter. Find her. I'll pay you. Which to me, I'm like, why Why did they spin that up? Like, I'm not. I get it. They're introducing another like dimension of like antagony into like uh, okay. antagonizers. But um like Zuko, Zuko's sister is already after them. So I don't know how that's yeah. going to kind of cross. I mean, they definitely have to come back in the story. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. They're, they're setting this up now. They're definitely coming back later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be another fight. And unlike, unlike, um, unlike most episodes, there, there, there really isn't a B story here. No. It's, um, there's a yeah. lot of jokes. There's a lot of good bits that mm-hmm. keep the pace up. In fact, I, I think this is one of the best, one of the better animated and joke written episodes in a while. Mm-hmm. They had to devote the whole episode to introducing this character because she's very important. Yep. So why don't we jump into our favorite scenes? Yep, yep. I want to talk about something right away. Yeah, so you, you go ahead. You start. You start. Okay, so for me, first of all, this episode has a, a meme. It's a popular meme or a popular gif from the show. Oh, really? Which is when uh, Katara is talking to the two boys that she like intimidates it's just, I'm oh, watching yeah, 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 yeah. And then Sokka walks away and is, dude, does that. Water tribe. Dude, <laughs> that was so good. I, yeah. have, I have that written down. That was one of my favorite scenes. And that yeah. was so well animated, too. But go on. Yeah. 
Water. Yeah, that's just the that's just the popular gif, like one of the more popular gifts of the whole series. The other thing I like to talk, I want to talk about is Toph's bending style. Mm. I think it's so cool to um, introduce a character that has a disability. That you know, George R. R. Martin talks about this. He does this with a lot of his characters to like instantly get you to like the character because they have some sort of disadvantage. But at the same time, she spins it to being an advantage for her because she's able to fight as an earthbender better than other earthbenders because she relies on earthbending and she doesn't focus on anything else. And Aang comments like the boulders focused on his muscles. She has to listen. And that's what makes a good earthbender is feeling and listening. Her being blind, she can't get distracted with anything else. The other thing I really like about her is her bending style physically looks different than the um, earthbenders. She does a praying mantis technique. Where her her arms are outstretched, they're kind of dude, like dude. Yes, of, you nerd. That is so right. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her head is pointed down. Her like two arms are kind of like loosely in front of her, palms facing up, and she kind of strikes out like a praying mantis would. And you, especially the shot of the the final confrontation she has with, like the leader of yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. remember his name, but he was the leader of yeah, yeah. Uh, the wrestlers. He throws a bunch of boulders at her, and this like really. This kind of they don't usually animate action for that long at once. He he throws like six or seven boulders at her with a series of kicks and punches and stuff, and it's all in one sequence. Usually, when they have these fight sequences, they break it up a little bit. I think to make it a little bit easier easier on the animators, but this time they just show the whole thing without cutting, and it was cool. It's like watching a kung fu movie. We have people who are actual kung fu, know kung fu, and they can actually perform it well. That's what this shot felt like to me. Yeah. But in this shot, he throws all these boulders at her, and then she just creates like this fortress around her to block all the shots. And then she strikes out like in this sort of snake or pragmatist like way that I really yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. And I like how it's different from other people. If you appreciate good animation, I think this episode's going like worth going and rewatching because it's, it's, uh, yeah, I feel like second season they started skimping a bit on action animation a bit. At least it felt like it's very, uh, dosed. But this episode, they did not skimp. Like, it's like a lot of action. Like, they kept going. Yeah. One, just the visuals of how they animated it were very detailed, thorough, perspective changing, warping, like, all those things. Unlike, for example, that one episode where, like, the the pirates and the firebenders just go into the cloud and then they... (laughs) (laughs) Although there is a cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see all the action. But you see see inside there. Um, Yeah. Last thing for me. Yeah. Aspect of this, this episode that I like is that there's a guy who is he's an earthbender but he's a fire nation sympathizer. Yeah. I just I just think that's like kind of interesting a little bit of world building where they're colonizing obviously you can have some people that are like you know what I like the fire nation. Um so it's kind of sh- cool to show that those people exist. Yeah. Well it was kind of funny too because it, it's it's a and I, I'll start kind of uh this is getting me getting into like what I love about it is like that's very mm. much a trope and WWE and like wrestling okay. where like, I don't know. I don't know WWE at all. Yeah. So I, I know very little. I know very little. Yeah. I basically have like taken a peek in it, but like it's very much a thing where like there's a known villain. There's a known bad guy. He comes out and everyone boos at him. He's the bad guy. And that's basically kind of like what this was. And like, obviously Sokka, you know, becomes the audience. Being a rabid, like, WWE fan. The first thing I was going to say is, like, time and time again, what I love about this show is that they're creators that you can tell they just love anime and they love Eastern themes because this martial arts tournament is 
another tried and they're hitting all the tried and true marks of good like animes dragon ball yu yu Hakusho, baki like the martial arts tournament is as stapled to anime as it gets oh yeah yeah and every shonen every shonen yeah yeah pretty much pretty much every shonen and then they mixed they twisted it by adding such a western (laughs) with wwe WWE. (laughs) how much more western can you get yeah, I didn't look at it that way. Uh, I think I like the way that you you broke it down. Yeah, that, uh, that's a that's a new perspective. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm here. That's why we're here. <laughs> uh, and then other than that, I, I really so it was it was that the animation and then the jokes. I, I didn't write all the jokes down. I probably could have, but actually no. I'll say one more thing about um, the animation. Like again, it wasn't just that they had good action shots and they showed the action, which is important. They did this like Sherlock Holmesian three hundred, like the Sparta movie, like the three hundred like mm-hmm. slow mo like camera panning thing, where it yeah. kind of dissected for you the the cerebral like what was going on in her head through slow motion yeah. thing. Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock Holmes, which isn't my favorite Sherlock Holmes, but they do this thing where like like the punch starts he plans the, f- yeah, yeah, the fight yeah. the whole fight exactly out, exactly right? yeah. like the punch starts time slows and then like it takes you through his thought process and they kind of did that here where like the kick starts she hears the waves and cal- calibrates her attack and it's really cool yeah. really like boyish nerdy fight tactic stuff and i just nom 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 yeah. nom nom i eat that up <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's so good Let's talk about our dislikes. Yep, yep. I got mine. Uh, yeah, you go ahead. I think I, 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 I can squeeze some out. Okay, for me, this episode, my dislike of this episode, Mr. Bayfong. Mm, why? First of Tell all, me more. voice acting. Yeah. Not the best voice acting. Mm-hmm. He's, a little, he's a little too on the nose. Yep. And the way he's written, also a little too on the nose. Yes. He's like, you're too weak, Toph. You're weak and fragile and anything can hurt you and... You're so weak. He's just, he's too, too much on that point. You know, it, it, it's, ugh. have a relationship with your daughter a little bit more. And I get he's supposed to be distant, but like, talk like you, you know this person. The other thing is, same thing about the dad. Just the moment where it's like, Toph, we need you. It's like, okay, I'll help out. The dad and the earthbending master, they don't help out. They just go up in the stands and essentially spectate. Her, her daughter their daughter um fighting in this super dangerous battle and they don't know that this she's ever done this before yeah yeah this is completely new to them N- neither of them are like i'm gonna go help out they just spectate and they're like oh no and it's for dramatic it's for kind of comedic effect too but it's just like it didn't make sense to me yeah the dad would do that and especially the earthbending teacher when it step up and try to help yeah 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 especially because the earthbending teacher was then like She's the best bender I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> it was just very – yeah, you're right. I agree with that. I think I'm going to tack on then and piggyback because I think you're right that like if you're going to skimp on any part of the episode, I get that that's where you would skimp both in terms of writing and like time it takes to build a more three-dimensional character, all those things. Yeah. But yeah, they were very two-dimensional NPCs in this episode. You know, like yeah. it just wasn't – NPC is a non-playable character, just like a side character in a video game. I would have been okay with it, except I think you're right. The the master especially is inconsistent in like motivation yeah. and like reaction. Uh, the dad, I feel like – like this show does impress me because it does like very mature things that don't – isn't just like – they don't yeah. phone at home. 
Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. times when they could, and I would let them get away with it. This time, yeah. I feel like they did kind of phone it home in this aspect with the father and mm-hmm. the father-daughter relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. Because especially towards the end when she was like, I'm sorry that I never told you. Like, I hope you don't look at me differently or like something yeah. like that. You know, having an earnest moment. And I really thought they were going to step up and have the father say like, this was coming from a place of ignorance and fear. I'm so sorry that I've like caged you up like this. You're clearly much stronger and more independent than I realized. And then the thematic takeaway could have been like, you should speak up and stand up for yourself. And like, you can have a relationship with a father, but I don't know. I thought that would have, that's a missed opportunity and a great lesson for them. But on the flip side, I also get that like this character needs to have an arc for the rest of the show so maybe you need to give her like a chip on her shoulder yeah this is this is really uh beginning i mean obviously this is the first step of her character journey and this is something that she's going to take with her so oh we forgot to do predictions i want to know your predictions about toff tell me about like what's going to happen with her yeah what's going to happen with toff well oh i don't know i don't know what she's going to get tangled up with she's like very young too she's like ang's same age. Yeah, 12. 12, Ang's age. She's equally, like, playful and, like, she can be a bit petty, you know. Mm-hmm. As demonstrated by a couple scenes and then, like, one of the final scenes when, like, Sokka drops the wrestling belt and, like, it just hits on her, her on her head and she just, like, <laughs> falls over and goes, ow. That's the reminder that she's blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's blind but also, <laughs> like, it's demonstrating, like, her, her dichotomy of, like, she's this master but she's also kind of, like, a goofy kid too, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll see that like play out in subsequent episodes. What's going to happen to her? I think, well, she's going to teach Aang how to earthbend, obviously. I think they're probably going to butt heads and egos a lot. Okay. Why do you think that? Uh, because they're the same age and like, I, well, I think Aang has done like in terms of maturity, I feel like Toph is where Aang was in season one, you know, like right. mid season one. So I think that's going to stir some stuff up and maybe have Aang regress a bit and then they'll resolve it and then become like closer comrades or whatever friends because of it. Uh-huh. I mean, she's a master, but like, again, like they clear made it clear that like she has, Oh man, I'm about to say it. She has, a, mm. she has clear blind sides, blind spots. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> is that bad? Is that toxic? <laughs> no, no, I like it. It's no, like she clearly has some blind spots. Like, Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 I hate saying that. So like that'll that may like lead to like maybe her getting kidnapped or like her being like in danger in the battlefield but then also very much being an asset in in like key battles against uh she, Yeah, she's she's definitely super powerful, much more confident in herself and cocky. Yeah. I think the cockiness probably more than anything is going to get them into trouble. Yeah, and like Katara is also Super strong-headed, like her, but is not as cocky. Yeah. You know, she knows when to not fight. Yeah. When it seems like Toph is able to take on anyone, her everybody, her whole life. Yeah. She's the best. Yep. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Toph is most likely to overextend and, like, over, yeah. overstep. Mm-hmm. Like, in Super Smash, you got to space correctly. You can't... You got to have your spacing or else you just get grabbed. Yeah. You get shield grabbed. <laughs> you, you don't want to get... Especially if you're going against Bowser, Cloud, anybody with an up B out of shield... You're just gonna get upbeat immediately. Oh no! <laughs> got to space your text, dude. You can. We could definitely have a text. Smash podcast too. I think. <laughs> yeah, Smashcast. Smashcast. That definitely exists. Already. <laughs> that definitely exists. But I, 
Oh, yeah, go, go, go. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna ask about your freshman year bogus thesis. Yep, yep. This is such a <laughs> freshman year. I'm taking Psych 101 thesis. It's not even like a hot take. It's actually like a very kind of like a pretentious but like real psychological thing. Um, my thesis is that Toph likes being confined. Ooh. She secretly likes being confined. Ooh. Because if she really didn't like being confined. She's the best earthbender fucking ever. She could have shown this to her dad. She could have left from the guards. She didn't even have to run away from home. She could have just done whatever she wanted. And like what yeah. left when she wanted to, come back when she wanted to. It's true. Do all the things that she wanted to. The reason that she doesn't do that is because she wants her father to be the father that he should be and of his own accord let her free and let her have yeah. friends. I think she she wants him to do that more than just with her bending might. Yes. She wants to be more because I was thinking about it, her dad really thinks she's like blind as fuck. Yep. Right? Yep. But she she tells Aang right away, like, I can see perfectly fine. I can see better than a lot of people. Yep. Like she notices the ants on the hill when Aang couldn't even locate them. Yep. And her dad seems to have this position that She's really like blind as anyone, like someone who can't earth bend. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So she's definitely hiding a lot of things from him and wanting to gain his respect in other manners. Yes. I really like this thesis. Yeah. It's very indicative of many relationships where the father is seeing her not as a specific individual human being, but a means to which he can derive purpose and value by making her this helpless thing that he must protect. And put his resources to it gives meaning to his existence it gives meaning to his wealth when he's so rich yeah. that it almost like who cares like doesn't matter you know what i mean yeah he he can't quantify he in his mind he can't quantify his wealth but he knows the value of having a daughter yeah yeah yeah. that's the most important treasure to him yeah. and he doesn't want that to go away exactly and maybe he's also blocking out these signs that she could be free and that's what she wants him to do. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, and exactly. So to her, it's more important that his father sees her, huh? Uh, as (laughs) 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 sorry. (laughs) It's more important to her that her father sees her and loves her for who she is. than it is to have like a free independent life. There it is. Which is – I'm going to bring this full circle. A. Which is why I wish that they had – this episode could have been longer. Yeah. And that they could have explored their full relationship. Yeah. Because he seemed like an NPC. And I, this – what we just talked about is such a great way to like really communicate this to yeah. the viewer. But this is something you have to dig deep yeah. into. Yeah. That's true. This would be so much more powerful if they had – Even one or two scenes. understand yeah, these yeah, yeah. intricacies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That would have improved the episode. You're right. You dug out the heart of the episode, <laughs> I think. Dang. I really thank you for that. Hey, th- appreciate you saying that. That's a sweet thing to say. Yeah. And thank you, listeners, <laughs> for listening to another episode of Avatar the First View. Hey. Of this next episode is a fan favorite of the entire oh, really? series. Oh, really? I'm excited. This one is called Zuko Alone. <gasps> oh. This is a Zuko episode. Oh, that sounds yeah. so dank. Mm hmm. So we didn't get to check in with him at all this episode, but we have a Zuko dedicated episode next. People really like this episode, so I'm excited to watch it. Oh, man, you got me so excited. 
And then also want to uh, talk about our sponsor. Yes. Our sponsor for this episode is Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Very soon, Paramount Plus is, you know, this is an actual sponsorship because they're probably going to be extending the shelf life of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no joke. We already, you know, once we get through Avatar, once we get through Korra, they better be well on the way to produ- on production. Dude, I feel like, I feel like. Next thing is. Li- literally, the highest chance of us getting a sponsorship might be Paramount Plus. <laughs> like think about so it please think about it please think about it right yeah there, there's some team at paramount that's like we have to reach out to the micro avatar <laughs> influencers and we're creating that right now <laughs> dude low-key kind of true though i don't know yeah <laughs> so you know you know by the time we finish cora who knows what'll happen yeah who knows who knows who where knows? we'll be in this podcast and it's up to you dear viewer it's up to you to be able to get us there so please spread the word Reach out to us, you know, hit us up on Insta, hit us up on whatever. As I said before, you can just text Peter. <laughs> um, <laughs> look him up. He, um, you have a website, right? Uh, I don't, but I, sh- I should get it going. Oh, sure. yeah. I do. I have a website. You do? ElijahMillen.com. For yeah. your photography stuff? ElijahMillen.com. Oh, mostly photography, yeah. Uh, but you hit me up. Yeah. You hit me up and um, I just actually had a friend hit me up and said, hey, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm watching it for the first time. Arjun, he hit me up. He said, I'm watching you are? and listening along. He is that one person who we said, maybe if you're doing this, he's the guy. Yeah, Arjun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So he, he gets a shout out in this Thanks, episode. Arjun. Uh, so Arjun, if you're listening to this, hello. And thank you for listening, especially Arjun. I'll shout out James Mullaney because he's been telling me every time, like every week that he listens, loves it. And also he was like, dude, where's the next episode last week? Oh, yeah, I've been lagging. I have it. I finished editing it, but I just haven't posted it. Yeah, you should post it. I'll post you should it right post now. It, yeah. I'll post it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And then text them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got any words of wisdom, Peter? Yeah, I'll say words of wisdom. Don't mess with the water tribe. Water tribe. Water tribe.